one surprising player, and I know you mentioned him uh, earlier, um, Matt Irwin. And uh, this was something that Phil Hasley, I think, or McCarthy, one of the coaches at, at the in the uh, intermission. What color was his suit? Was it brown? Or was it McCarthy? I think it was not brown, so it must have been Hasley. Must have been Hasley. Um, is and I think he's. Uh, this is not an exact quote. This is paraphrasing, but he's basically said that you know one of the reasons Matt Irwin has done so well is that he's just so calm. He's in, in, especially when shooting, he doesn't panic. Uh, his shot really is is just kind of an average shot, but it's timing. And it's just that he remains calm in kind of all situations. And uh, I'm glad that Matt Irwin has solved one of the greatest mysteries in hockey, which is how to increase your shooting percentage consistently. I think he's got the highest shooting percentage in the entire team right now <laughs> at five on five. I mean, it's like it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, good for Matt Irwin. Yeah. Love seeing the offense. Love seeing him be involved. Gives uh, Laviolette another opportunity, like someone to fill in with uh, with Potato not being available. Way better. Still doing way more effective than Carl. But come on. Yeah. Well, He's calm, so he can shoot the puck better than anyone else. Yeah. Well, considering how high-strung the rest of our defense is, I mean, I have to give him a little bit of props. Obviously, that's not the magic behind his shot right now, but it probably does help. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it probably in his deployment and his usage, he's not re- being required to play a full 200-foot game all the time, um, unlike Yossi, unlike Subban, Ekholm, Ellis. But, you know, I think there's something to that. I mean... Is he getting a little bit lucky? Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. He's definitely Scoring getting three lucky. Games in a oh, row I'm not, I don't want to take lucky. anything away from Irwin. I want to take it away from whatever coach said that. Because <laughs> that's not helpful. That's that's a problem. If like, Yeah, he's, he's shooting really well. He's scoring goals because he's so calm. He found his inner zen. <laughs> Um, has you know he, he went through his his you know his ceremony to be, to be crowned crowned to be become a Buddhist priest and now he can shoot unlike any other because well, he, he has realized that there is no difference between him and the puck they are one and the same and one with the universe therefore the puck is essentially already in the net so why not just shoot it yeah well and and the, the root of all pain is desire right and he has no desire to score goals he has no he desire just, to score he just goals. desires to 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 be thoughtful and be mindful of the moment right. And he's, I think he's in the middle of the eightfold path, I believe. I think is what he's, maybe like halfway there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say he's, he's, you know, third or fourth fold. I mean, it's definitely one of those little uh, fourth thing, you know, little little uh, uh, fortune telling. Yeah, I don't. What are those things called? Do you know, you know, what I'm talking about. I'm trying to mime here with the, you know, it's like sort of like a pyramid, and you kind of you choose the letters and numbers, and you fold the thing out. Yeah, I know exactly. What name for those? I don't know what they're There's called. There's a name. I don't know what it is though. <laughs> Someone, someone come through. We need to know the answer. So to that Matt one. Irwin is going to um, take everyone on a field trip to Tibet. Pulling up freaks. And welcome back to the show that is finally ready for it to be cold outside, or at least I am. Are you guys ready for it to be cold outside? I I am, um, I think I'm past ready only because I was outside when it got cold outside, if that makes sense. I was, I was down in East Nashville on Friday. <laughs> you were there and, when the, when the, um, when it hit? Well, yeah, well, because it, it, it was, you know, fairly nice. And then you start getting some sprinkles of rain. And all of a sudden, I was uh, like, I need a jacket right now. It was really windy yesterday. Yeah, I went for a walk uh, downtown Nashville yesterday, walked across a pedestrian bridge and around and stopped at Bongo Java and got some coffee. It was lovely, but it was like 30 degrees outside. I think it feels great. I love cold weather. I'm a little bit under the weather today, so I've got some some tea here, but so that's why I sound a little strange. But uh, you guys doing okay? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I have to wear a jacket when I go outside right now, and I love that. Um, I mean, I'm wearing I'm inside, and, and I have, don't have the AC on. The, like, the heat is on, and I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt. These are all things that make me very happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're in the four months of the year where I can actually wear my all of my hockey sweatshirts, so I am ecstatic. There you go. Well, I didn't properly introduce us. We are you are listening to the Predcast brought to you by OnTheForeCheck.com. I'm Alex. I'm here with Link and Maria. And I, I like the cold open. The cold open's cool. You like that? Okay. No pun intended. Um, but <laughs> I think uh, that was so much no, pun intended. It was it was not intended at at <laughs> all. Um, okay. But I enjoyed it. Well, we uh, we have some hockey games to talk about. Uh, the Predators played three games this week. They won one and lost two. Um, and uh, we're going to dive into those quite a bit today. We also have some Twitter questions, and we're going to just kind of just take some general overviews of the team, maybe hit in some other stuff as well, and then look ahead to the upcoming holiday week, which is, of course, as usual, a little bit of a strange schedule. But um, we... Uh, you know, the Predators were coming off of a three-game uh, win streak where things felt great last week, and then going into Toronto, things were, I don't know, you know, we, you never know what happens when you go into Toronto. I believe uh, during the last show, we were very optimistic. Yeah. We had a bright view of the future. Uh, you know, I think we were even saying, you know, four or five points possibly yeah. through the week, and, and you know, it... Granted that the, the Toronto has certainly been struggling in Toronto ways, but they have some interesting players at least in, in you know at the forward position. So you know they can surprise you like like Edmonton could surprise you in the same way. Mm-hmm. And there's my Babcock around, uh, but I think ultimately the Predators got very surprised. Uh, granted, I think there's some they shouldn't have been given how they approached the game. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that. Was this game lost before it was played? Uh you know, it, it, I, I didn't really think about it that way up front. I think I think 2020, looking at the past, you may be able to say that. Uh, because it stuck with me that on Twitter, it was ads at the Admiral's Roundtable, the podcast. Yeah, um, great follow. Yeah, I think, they, I, I believe it was them. I, 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 I wasn't able to find the tweet. Um, they were talking about how when uh, Maz went down to Milwaukee for the condition, basically the sharpening assignment, whatever you want to call it, he single-handedly lost the Admiral's a game. Because okay. he was just so off. So would that have been like the Saturday previous? Maybe? That was the, that was the last game he played yeah. in Milwaukee before going back up. So you took a goaltender who just like you know he owned the defeat. They said like they praised him for that, saying hey he owned the defeat, but he was really really bad. Mm-hmm. And then you call him up, you throw him into a game, and he was really really bad. Yeah, and he was not getting any help from that. From the time the first goal went in, you know it was it just wasn't going to get any better than it was. So you take a goaltender coming off a loss like that, and then immediately throw you know, the Mitch Marner goal against him, and the results weren't going to be pretty. Yeah, that Marner goal of what like a minute four seconds into the game, sharp angle goal. Um, that's a bad one to give up, and not a great way to start a oh, game. Oh no, I mean he absolutely should have that covered. I mean those goals sneak through, but I mean that was not. Yeah. I still am not entirely sure, other than he just wasn't on the post. Right. Uh, but it set a tone early, uh, yeah, and, and it, the team just doesn't seem to know how to play in front of uh, Mazanix. I mean, granted, he I, has, has Mazanix had a decent start for the Predators yet? Uh, it's. I was looking at some of his career numbers in, in you know, career in quotations. Uh, not really. I, I mean, I think he maybe had one good game, and I'm, honestly, maybe his first game where he played in Detroit might have been his best game. Yeah, I, I, the thing I really struggle with is... is you know, you hear 
Oh, just the wonderful, wonderful color commentator in Nashville. Uh, talk be- about how, uh, you know, he came in and he won the game. He won the position at training. He won, Mazenix won the backup position at training camp. Well, he didn't so much win it as they want Saros to play games. And so their, their future number one needs to go and play games. So you're sort of the, the guy left over because right. for some reason the Predators are totally against signing an actual qualified backup goaltender. Right. It's been, I mean, what, three, four years since they've actually tried to bring in a, a back, like a proper backup? They've gotten lucky in the past by signing some that just came off the street, like Chris Mason, Dan Ellis. But, I mean, those were, those were, not, those were not certified backups. Those were, became backups because of situations. It's just, yeah. I mean, and I hear that it's like, oh. Love, love, love the um, you know the front office propaganda stuff, but yeah. enough is enough. I mean, people have yeah. seen him play, and and certainly, I mean, that whole game was a bit of a bit of a mess. Yeah, no, and saying that we're spoiled by Pekka just really isn't a good enough answer anymore for you know the quality of backup goaltender that we need to have. Right, exactly. I mean, you enough is enough with that, and um, I'm I'm hoping that maybe uh, there will be a, a significant change in the philosophy of the organization when it comes to goaltenders in the future though i don't have anything to go on that i'm just hoping hoping on hope um one thing that was gone early on was hope in this toronto maple leafs game because they were down 1-0 um and real quick about mitch marner you know everyone talks about austin matthews but mitch marner is you know second on the team for the leafs and he's been he's been outstanding from the beginning uh so marner is a great rookie another another of those contenders for rookie of the year that we talked about last week um, the second goal, Van, James Van Riemsdyk, James Van Riemsdyk, that's his name. He got there. And, uh, he uh, got a, kind of a lucky bounce in front, but you know, he still got uh, a chance on, on Mazinich and, uh, who was very, very late on the club save two Oh, and then James Neal makes it two one. That was the, uh, Ryan Johansson, uh, pass across the front of the goal, front of the goal mouth where, uh, Frederick Anderson was just kind of just sitting still. Um, really not sure why he didn't try to get poke check or why the defender didn't get a stick on it, but it went through. It was a nice pass. It was a nice pass, but you know, Frederick Anderson's been really playing pretty aggressive this year. And that's been part of the reason why he struggled. And for some reason he didn't come out on that one. But anyways, the, uh, James Neal got a goal and, uh, that was good. But I think that the game turned on the, uh, Roman Polak hit on Forsberg and then the, uh, subsequent Fisher, fight and uh game misconduct and i want to get your guys take on that um i, I yeah if you if you remember that the, yeah, the, the play yeah. roman polak took forsberg into the boards um mike fisher took exception to that and started a fight with roman polak and he got the penalties um of course polak out of five minute but uh fisher got 17 minutes of penalties there yeah um i like people were lighting up the ref on on twitter social media everything about how he handed out penalties in that. And uh, I don't I don't know if anyone even here agrees with me that I think that they were entirely the right penalties. I think 17 minutes was actually probably appropriate. Um, I watched the hit um, from um, from Polak. You know, it it was a it was a bad situation. It was it was a rough hit. It was very dangerous. But Polak, I do not believe was was trying to take advantage of a player in a vulnerable position. Um, at full speed, you know, I, I think he he didn't realize how off balance Forsberg was. I don't know. He he, there's no way he could know how off balance Forsberg was. Um, 
And Forsberg was it was right in, in, in a very very crucial moment I think in terms of just Forsberg's equilibrium and his positioning. And it was rough, and it was good that Forsberg got right back up and was fine. Uh, I just think it was a very unfortunate sequence um, from Polak, mm-hmm. and, and I don't think it, there was any intent. And then uh, having Fisher come in, and I mean the way he skated, it was like, well, Polak has gloves off first. Yeah, well. He could see Fisher coming straight at him, clear intent to, to for, for retribution. Yeah, it's retaliation. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's definitely retaliation. I mean, he, so he's prepared to defend himself. So despite the fact his gloves were off first, anyone watching that sequence is going to be able to tell that Fisher is the one coming in for the fight. Uh, and, and if you watch the fight, Pola clearly had no intent of actually trying to fight. He got Fisher wrapped up, pinned, and he just held on till the rest split him up. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so, I mean, when it comes to, to, you know, five, obviously, two, definitely for instigating the 10. I mean, it, when a guy skates in across the ice looking for blood, what are you supposed to do? You have to, you, have to, you know, follow the rules, set a message there. Um, you know, especially because there was no penalty called on the, on the hit on Forsberg. So it was deemed that it was not a, a egregious hit or, or a dangerous hit. Right. Um, that was accidental. So it just, it adds up. Um, I think I do think they missed the penalty on Pollock. I think that should have been a penalty, but they they absolutely got it right on Fisher. I mean that 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 retaliation there and uh, starting a fight in that situation um, definitely definitely merited the uh, the seventeen minutes of penalties. I just think that the the Pollock should have gotten a penalty for 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 boarding because that's kind of what it was. I mean it was a dangerous hit into a board and Forsberg was defenseless. So I don't know what you think. We went into that game and I was expecting that sort of situation to come up. That's a lot of things that the Leafs do. You've got Polak, you've got Kadger, you've got Komarov, and they play a lot of that kind of game where they wind up drawing those sort of responses from what Fisher got. I think the Fisher call was textbook, like it was the quote-unquote correct call. I didn't like the call. I think they should have both gotten five each and that would be it. Mm -hmm. That's my take on it. So, I mean, I think... I would say that we represent pretty three distinctly uh, respectful and different opinions about that play. Um, so here's the reason why it was called differently than other people agree or other people might think is because, well, the referee's the one making the call, and uh, he didn't think that the Polak hit was bad enough for boarding. Uh, we some I, people think I, I think it's important to think it's it's not a matter of if it was bad enough for boarding. I, I think it was a matter of. Uh, did Pollock hit Forsberg knowingly or or accidentally even in mm-hmm. a vulnerable position as de- deemed by the referee? So I think I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. And and, and um, that's why and that- I, I think it was no one knew how off balance Forsberg was until they watched the video back later. Right, and then you could see it. And here's you're looking for it's confirmation type bias. Here's the thing with uh, with boarding goals. I actually looked up the, uh, the boarding rule in there, and I think this is this is why um, it wasn't called. There's a clause in there that says, however, in determining – this is talking about boarding and when to call it. However, in determining whether such contact could have been avoided, the circumstances of the check, including whether the opponent put himself in a vulnerable position immediately prior to or simultaneous with the check, or whether the check was unavoidable, could can be considered. So in that case, the referee made that decision that it was unavoidable for him and that the player put himself into this vulnerable position. That's why it wasn't called. I just disagree. I just think it's it's a it's a judgment call and they talk about that that this is a this is one of those physical fouls that is a that is a judgment call. It's not like elbowing or high sticking. Um anyway, so I think that you know this is this is the this is why hockey has referees that um 
This is why we don't use computers is because it is a subjective game at times. We don't have robots out there calling, the fo- uh, calling, calling fouls. No, we just have robots doing hockey stats who don't watch the game. Robots don't care about watching TV. Everyone knows that. They're too busy taking over the world. Mike Ribeiro uh, is a great player. <laughs> the stats say it to be true. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes they do. Sometimes they also say Austin Watson had a good night. So <laughs> let's, uh, we got to move past that. I, I do want to say overall, the, I think the thing that was, was I think really more so than even uh, the goaltending for Nashville. I think the thing, in my opinion, that defined the game in a lot of ways was that uh, the chances were really balanced. And I think one of the big difference makers is that uh, the Predators weren't handling the transition, the speed from the Leafs well. I mean, they kept being able to get, you know, find ways to get behind, ways to get the, the Predators defense turning or catching them out of position. And at no point did they really seem to recover. Now, granted, the Predators were getting their share of chances. And so maybe they were a bit unlucky. I still think once you give up five goals, the gap is pretty big. Right. Um, but that's the one thing that, that caught me about, you know, part of the second period. It was just the Leafs were just getting behind the Predators in all the right ways, and, and the Predators just couldn't handle that extra level of, of speed or transition uh, that the Leafs were bringing. And I, I'm a bit of a JVR fan. I mean, he you know, brought into Philadelphia when he was traded away. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was somewhat excited to see him score a hat trick that's always fun <laughs> um if you're gonna score a hat trick right now you know merrick Mazing's a great guy to score it against as far as opportunities um at least based on what we've seen yeah so with all the lucas shen jokes <sighs> you I, say I'll, hurtful say, things sometimes mario Ma- yeah no maz definitely gave him a pretty easy hat trick too i mean like that first one First one was a great shot. The um, I think it was the the third goal where he, the puck just came right to him off the faceoff, and just Maz came way out of his net, and there was just like so much room on the backhand. So I don't know, but you're right. I mean, the opportunity was there. Hey, I got a sub 900 save percentage in his career uh, goalie in net, so uh, let's make something happen. And they did. Uh, there were some other goals. Arvidsson got a goal. That was nice. It's nice for him to get payout whenever his hard work pays off. Um, he worked hard that game. He's worked hard all year. He has five goals and five assists on the year. He has 10 points. That's like third on the team or something. That's crazy. Um, Not crazy. It's joyous. Yeah. Crazy joyous. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I know. It's, it's a lot of fun watching that little guy work. We need, we just, uh, I, I want to see so many just really quality Swedish players on the, on the Predators team. It's like, they lo- we, we lose Patrick Hornquist in our lives. Swedish national team? Is that what you want? No, just Swedish in general. Um, oh, you want the team to be Swedish? Yeah, okay, you want the team to be the Swedish national basically team? Basically the Swedish national um, team. Does it mean we end up with Heinrich Lundqvist? I don't know. It's a little late in his career <laughs> to pick him up. Um, <laughs> who's, the, who's, the best, who's the backup? Who's the up-and-coming Swedish goaltender to be? Am I, am I, am I blanking here? Who would that be? Is it Markstrom? No, well, maybe well, at the international think, level. Yeah, I don't the know international the, level. I don't know who the heir apparent in Sweden is, but hmm. uh, I'll do some research later. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the future Swedish goaltending is. I don't. I don't track that too closely. <laughs> Why uh, not? It's it's more of a it's like a time balance thing. Oh, it's okay. A time balance thing. Too many other things to track. We focus more on the Swedish defense, less on the Swedish goaltending. That's fine. I I'm, I'm mainly waiting for just you know Peter Forsberg to somehow like regenerate into a younger Peter Forsberg and just come back into the league. Yeah, he was a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right, so the Predators lose that one 6-2. to two. Uh, Pretty ugly, ugly game from, from start to finish for the Predators, except for a couple bright spots. But 
a pretty unsettling way to end the win streak. If I got to be honest, I mean, it's one thing if you're gonna if you're gonna lose that streak, you know, on a on a one goal game, but to get just kind of you know the table run on you, it's but, pretty. But the James Neal goal streak continued. James so so streak. silver lining, silver lining, yeah, silver lining. Right. Uh, it it is now over with last night's game, but um, way to bring us back down. I, I I've always we gotta we gotta balance. Gotta have balance. We can't be too happy. There was way too much positivity on the show last week. Was there? Just a little bit. That's, that's why we, we balanced the positivity with audio issues, and this week we're just miserable. Everything's got balance. I think, I think my, my thermometer is off. Bar- barometer? Th- thermometer? My, my positivity? I don't know. What are you measuring? Positivity. That's a positiveometer. There you go. I, I think that's off. I need to get that fixed. <laughs> I think it's the cold. The only time you can actually get it fixed is during December, so you've got to wait a few more weeks. Oh, dang. Yeah. That's, that makes a lot of sense. Can you do that? Get that done at Walgreens? Um, I don't know if they do that at Walgreens. Um, Flu shots and also a positivity shot. Posit- positivity. T- 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 Let's move forward before I I really go <laughs> off the off the tracks here. Thursday night, the Predators go to Ottawa and play the Senators. And uh, if there's one thing we know about the Predators this year, it's that they can beat up on the Senators because in two games, the Senators have been owned by the Predators. It huh. is a go ahead. No, uh, the, you know, this is a pretty dominating win from start to finish. Um, some really weirdo goals, though, like the Sissons goal, this crazy Watson pass that looked like it deflected off of a, off of a skate. Uh, it's hard to really tell, but either way, it was a nice play, but, you know, that happened. Derek Broussard ties it up, but then after, after the Derek Broussard goal, the Predators hit the accelerator in terms of five-on-five play. They were, it was at 8-2 Predators with when Broussard scored and then about halfway through the second period it was 28 to 12 Predators and they were they were just pouring it on just coming at them from from all angles defense offense everything then Ryan Ellis scores to put them up to one and from there on it was pretty much just all Predators yeah I felt I it, it was almost an exact flip from the Toronto game where it seemed like Toronto was just, you just throw the puck on, goes in, you score goals, everything. Yay, we scored. You know, we're, we're winning and doing all these things right. Uh, so it almost didn't feel fair in a way, but it's not like Mike Condon was, has been having a bad few games. Uh, and he's, he's only, I think he's played four, and his save percentage is um, a somewhat ridiculous uh, 9.43. So. That high, huh? Yeah. Well, he's, I mean, we're talking about he's played four games. Oh, right. right. He's played four games. So the Predators going out there and throwing, you know, getting five past him in as few shots as they did, um, you know, wasn't something that, you know, people weren't necessarily expecting that even to happen. Uh, So it really was, you know, I I think a better effort if you're saying, oh, hey, with the Leafs, you know, when they beat the Predators, is that, you know, was that a better team or is the Predators being, I think the Predators were a better team team they had actually to compete a little bit they went up against a goaltender who has stopped pucks this season mm-hmm. um so it was just you know a, a, it was a bit of a release valve at least watching it at home i really feel like they turned it on after getting so embarrassed in toronto on tuesday mike condon is not a starting quality goaltender I mean, he has a good save percentage this season so far but he's not that great of a goaltender and just the amount of shots and scoring chances they got on through by the time they went up three one or four one, right? Yeah, they they, they dominated uh, the, the shot attempt game. Um, 
for, for most of the game, except for a, a few spots here and there, especially towards the end with this whole score effect. It was up, we were up, the Predators were up 5-1 at that point, so not a lot to make of that. But um, the Pontus Auberg goal was, if you consider it really a pretty surprising goal because of, you know, he had his other options. It was kind of a three-on-one, maybe, if I remember correctly three-on-one kind of breakout goal, and uh, he had some options to pass to, but he but he sh- elected to shoot, and uh, that's never a bad idea. So No, I, I typically, you know, it, more often than not, it seems like we'll get together for a show, and we'll be like, well, in this sequence, they wait and wait and wait, and then they pass the puck, and, and then whatever, nothing happened. And we say that a lot. Yeah. Um, it's hard to complain about when a player just takes the shot. Yeah, can't I mean, maybe it misses. Maybe, he, maybe the goaltender saves it. If he misses, like, oh, he's got to get that on the net, but... Whatever, who cares? But that's he took why, the shot. That's why Arvidsson and Smith are generally so successful is they just shoot everything yeah. they get their sticks on. Yeah. And, and it's an amazing concept. Yeah. yeah. I mean, James Neal, too. James, James Neal is not, not shy on shots either. Um, he just has a better one. Uh, speaking of James Neal, that insane P.K. Subban pass across the, uh, across the, the slot area to, uh, right to James Neal um, was really fun to watch. I watched that on several times on repeat just watching that pass and uh james neal's finish was just perfect you know I, it actually made me begin to wonder watching some of the goals and then re-watching them and looking at and seeing the angles is it, it seems like some of these nights the difference between a successful predators team and a struggling predators team is if they're they're like creative or high-risk passes pull, go off yeah because you know against the senators they're like, oh, I'm going to do like a drop pass and like bounce it off the back of my skate and flip it up into the air, and then they're just going to score. And it was just, it was just working. You know, mm-hmm. they were in the right spot, or they had just gotten behind the defense and 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 gotten the pass off quickly enough. And then you compare it to some of the losses when we're like, oh, another drop pass. How long? To-? Well, then you have a game like Ottawa where they're drop passing 14 times and and doing whatever they want. They can score. And in and in the situation where Subban passed that puck. He had he skated around with it and skated below the circles and passed the puck. Well, what happened in in St. Louis two nights later? Yeah, that's the exact thing, illustration I was thinking in my head. We saw him do something very similar, yeah. and it totally backfired. Right. But granted, that's what everyone. Well, let me let me take that back. Most people knew when PK Suman was coming in, or things are going to happen like mm-hmm. that. But we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get to that conversation. What What do you think about the stretch pass from Subban to Ribeiro? There's so much to talk about on that Ribeiro play. I mean, <laughs> there's there's so much to just just gawk at, and and I, I mean, you could you could you could design a whole blog, not just a blog post, a whole blog website based to that one play with Mike Ribeiro because of how silly that whole situation was. The pass from Subban was great, but then Mike Ribeiro takes forever to skate into the zone and sends a breakaway slap shot. Who breakaway slap shots anymore? Who does that? A guy who can't skate very fast. Or really shoot very well. Ribeiro's shot is terrible. It's, it's, it's awful. And then that ridiculous celebration. I mean, come on, man. It's 5-1. to one. You don't score that many goals. You aren't... I mean, even if he was doing it ironically, I just don't understand that. I, I reacted to... I, I reacted to Ribeiro goals mostly in the same way. I just, sort of look, I just sort of look down at my notes and jot some things down. So I tend to miss out on his celebrations. I... I don't even know. I mean, I was laughing. I was laughing, but I was also just, I, I couldn't believe what I was saying, that, that Mike Ribeiro did something like that and that it worked. And then, you know, he'll go out and, and score some more, I mean, or he'll go out and have other chances that are 
completely blown. Um, I mean, I, look, Mike Rivera's been a fine player this year. He's been one of our one of the Predators' better better performers. But yeah, he he would he would pass on he he could be front of him and didn't pass the puck. Right. It, it's just to see something like that happen is just like you. I almost just want to take that goal off of off of his registry and be like, that one doesn't count. It, man. it would be a bit like watching Shea Weber score like on a backhand shot, like right and tight, which happened, which just happened, but it's still very yeah. It happens, but it's very surreal because yeah. you don't expect him to be that close and also a backhand. Yeah, that's very true. But uh, either way, it happened. I mean, it didn't. I didn't. I don't. I wasn't angry about it. It was just like I couldn't <laughs> believe everything. All of the pieces that went to it. Because think about it. Like Subban made that incredible pass, and uh, if if that had been any other player, we would have been. You know, it would have been about the pass, and it would have been about whoever scored the goal. But it was just. It became this other thing. I don't know. I just I, I don't like it when that kind of stuff happens. It's clearly haunting you. It just it bothered, bothered me. It stuck with me. Just seeing him do the stupid little flex thing. I didn't even realize that was some sort of weird celebration when he was doing it. I was just like, oh, he's, <laughs> you know, they scored, yay. Yeah. I mean, and, and we can put aside, or we don't have to put aside. I guess we're 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 just uh, we're just average folks. We don't we are already preconceived, you know, connotations about Mike Ribeiro. I, I don't think I would feel the same way. I, I, I think I would feel the same way if it was anyone else. If Victor Arvidsson had done that, I might have smiled. But if it had been if it had been Ryan Johansson, if it had been Forsberg, I'd been like, dude, come on, it's five one. So just skate back, shake hands, and then go start another shift. Actually, one of the actually think be one of my favorite things, like in in something like uh, soccer, bloods are less common, and like a team's up, like they score like the seventh goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have two types of guys. One guy who just runs over to the fans, like, losing his mind. And the other guys who just, they'll literally go in and they'll pick up the ball. And they're, like, sadly, like, they'll just hand it to the other team. And they're, like, really sorry that we scored again. Right. Here's the ball. Yeah. Anyway, so, I I, I don't know if anyone else felt that way about it. But I, I certainly was not pleased with that, so. My, my opinions on Ribeiro and anything he does ever are well known. (laughs) Not shy. Not shy. No, you would not want. If I had a blog dedicated to that pass, you wouldn't, or that that whole sequence, you would not want to read it. Actually, I would. Actually, that that, that there's some, maybe some truth there. I probably would. I would actually love to read that. Um, let's talk about the blues. Um, or that game gave me the blues. What? No one's ever made that. Oh, pun. oh, hi. No, no high fives. No one's ever no. made that joke. I'm sure. I I I actually am surprised to hear that. I would have thought that'd been a pretty common joke. <laughs> So going into Saturday, the Predators. Uh, it, you know, here's the thing with that game. It was a fantastic game to watch. I mean, if you like, if you like, um, I mean, it was a very classic kind of Central Central Division matchup. I mean, there's a lot of physical play, great goaltending on on both sides, some some good defensive play, some great offensive play, and uh, it just didn't come out on the the Predators' end. But it was a really fun game to watch from my perspective. Um, what do you guys think? Was, do you agree or? I enjoyed it when it was still zero zero, but by the time it was two one, it just sort of stopped being inter- entertaining. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, it, it was a bit. It was a closer game than some people gave it credit for, and even that some of the stats say. I mean, at, at no point were the Predators leading in chances, um, just not necessarily scoring chances, but overall, um, which is never a great sign. But with as tight as it was. Uh, it built up some tension. I mean, it, it was definitely not one of the really just merciless nil like nil nil matchups against st louis granted because yeah. it wasn't probably a tuesday or a thursday so that saves you a lot of effort on the note about chances the uh five on five scoring chances for for the blues 18 
for the Predators, 10. That's five on five. High danger scoring chances, or high danger shot attempts, rather, 10 for the Blues, four for the Predators. So. That is, those are those are just some underlying scary numbers. But, but like you said, it really was a more evenly played game than that. I mean, if you watch that game, aside from about 10 minutes on in the third period, the first 50 minutes, very evenly played game. I mean, the no one would say, you know, tuning that on, t- turning that game on in the second period would think that the Predators were losing badly. Um, but anyways, it, it, it was it was a pretty evenly played game. Um, it started off with the Perron goal. <clears throat> David Perron gets a uh, rebound in front of Pecorine. You know, this is where ma- the majority of five-on-five goals are scored in the NHL, in hockey in, in, in general, is off rebounds and traffic in front. And the Predators don't tend to get a lot of those. The Blues do. And that's what happened. And, and roughly uh, 85% of goal scoring in Spec are scored on the stick side. That's not a real statistic. I'm just making that up just for full <laughs> clarity. But man, I think two of the three goals uh, against the Blues were, yeah. were backhand stick side uh, against Rene. It's just if it's, he could it's his get weakness. His, if he could get his glove out there, he would, he would save him. But I, I don't do know. That. Does he need like, like a lighter stick or maybe some magnets like in the ice in his glove to help him get it up a little bit faster? Right. Yeah, you you know? s- I mean, it is possible to make stick side saves. Yeah, I've seen it happen. Yeah. Um, I, Brayden Hope, he's very good at it. Yeah, Pecorino, it's his, it's his weak spot. All his mojo went into his glove. I mean, it's you know, if, glove. If you're it's gonna, a great glove. If you're going to have mojo go anywhere, that's not a bad place for it to go. Just saying. Or if you're Ryan Ellis and your mojo account. What does that mean? Mari's nodding. You haven't seen the video clearly. I, I have not. We'll have some fun with that later. <laughs> okay. Um, so David Perron gets the Blues up 1-0, and then another, another goal by Mike Ribeiro also, probably the most atypical goal scored by a Predator this season, a scramble in front of the net that Mike Ribeiro puts in, into the net. Uh, he never scores that way. Um, so he has a breakaway slap shot goal and a uh, scramble in front goal um, in the same week. That's pretty interesting. He, he is going to be maxed out on, on his levels of, of oh. caring within, yeah. before, I think, before the end of December. He's, He's like, I, I, got a, I got a garbage goal on... Uh, yeah. What do you want from me? Exactly. Like, I'm done. He's not going to score for another four months. <laughs> That's <laughs> Maybe not even that. I'm, I might be okay with that. Might put him back down the fourth line or something. <laughs> uh, the second half of the game really belonged to St. Louis. We kind of mentioned that. It really, about, really about the beginning of the third period on. Um, the Blues just had more shot attempts, more scoring chances, more goals, obviously. And, uh, you know, that, that's the one that counts. Uh, the Brodziak goal. So a lot of people kind of broke this one down, and there's there's some debate on who's to blame. But here's the thing. If you're going to have this sort of all-offense defense, this kind of stuff is going to happen. Subban skates down below the circle, runs into Colton Sissons. I think some people made a good point that Colton Sissons should have been rotating to the point, but I don't think he knew P.K. Subban was going to come down there that far. Either way, this is a product of what the defense is. This is going to happen. Yeah, I, I think there's so many things you can. You, there is a lot of analysis you can do in this play because is the right time to be, as a defenseman to be pinching down when you have your fourth line out there. I mean, is that the time you really want to be pinching deep? Got to be game aware. Yeah, I, like I, so. I, I think that decision by PK, like if if you had uh, one of your other any really any other line, uh, you might have been okay, especially if you had like a Forsberg or or you know uh, if Wilson I, that was the game Wilson was was injured for yes. uh, the first one. Yeah, so uh, you know if he was still out there or you had Yarn Croak or something like that, um, you, you might feel a little bit better about doing about doing that. But uh, you know just 
you don't have the guys out the personnel out there to make that kind of play. And then and it's a tie game at that yeah, point. Yeah. And and you know, these are these are the things PK does. We know, I mentioned it when we were talking about the prior game, these these things just they happen. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he we've seen him create multiple chances and goals from it, and he gives, you know, one goes the other way. It happens, but the coverage going back, I mean, what was Ekholm? Ekholm was only so much he, there was only so much he could do. Right. Um Sissons was trying real hard to get back into the play, yeah. but it was all on you know, maybe Ekholm making things a little bit easier in Rene and Rene trying really hard to make it's going to be a very difficult save. Well, Rene made the original save and uh, Ekholm actually played that right, you know, cutting off the pass. And what happened was the rebound came right out to the other winger and he scored. On stick side. So yeah. there was a, several different places where that play broke down. For one, it was Subban's decision to pinch. Um, Sissons maybe being a little bit out of position because he wasn't expecting the pinch. The winger not rot- rotating back. Just... One thing after another led to that goal against. Yeah, just, just a, a really a, a a bad storm of things that happened. Um, you know, so it's it's two one at that point, um, and the Predators, you know, tried to respond but really couldn't, really couldn't respond all that well. They got a power play um, that did not result in really anything, and then shortly thereafter is the Tarasenko goal. And that came also after another scrum right in front of Jake Allen. Uh, three Predators, including including uh, Ekholm, are basically buried behind the play as the Blues break out. Smith and Subban came back. So in that, in that case, uh, Craig Smith did did kind of rotate, and he was he was in the right position. But it was still a three on two, I guess, or really three on one and a half because Smith was kind of kind of kind of coming back. Tarasenko gets into the most dangerous part of the ice, and that's what he does. I mean, he shoots. Yeah. He shoots pucks by goalies all the time. I go through the same sequence with Tarasenko goals every time I see him score one. I'm always like, why, why, why is the defense not closing him off? Why are they doing this? They should, they should know better. And then I realize that it's not really the defense doing something wrong. It's just Tarasenko. That's what he does so well. Mm-hmm. He finds the space. He creates the space, and he just scores the goal. And he does it against every team in the league, and he does it with, a, with shocking regularity. Uh He's a he's a really really tough guy to defend, and if you you're successful, good for you. If you're not, welcome to the NHL. Right. I mean, you, you have in, in the situation that led to the Tarasenko goal. I, I you know you, it's hard to blame the Predators for trying to score. I mean, there, there was a scrum in front of Jake Allen that I really am not sure how they didn't score because the puck was loose and there are three guys there and all kinds of crazy stuff is happening, and then and then all of a sudden the puck is going the other way. You, but this is what happens when you're losing and you try to try to pinch up and score. It, you have less margin for error, so and that's what happened. So um, the result is a three to one loss and a fairly disappointing two points out of the possible six. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think I was hoping for for four points, so half that is not really cutting it. Um, right. I just you know I, I'm not so much bothered by the Blues game. Uh, you know, those things happen. They they did the exact same thing to the Blues just to, you know, the, the prior week, I believe. It wasn't right. just the prior week. Uh, you know, it was a 3-1 game in favor of the Predators. And sort of a similar, like, the Predators scored twice in the third period, I think. I'd ha- Yeah, I'd have to go back and remember where the goals were. I could f- fiddle through my notes, but that would probably take more time than it would give us in value. <laughs> um, my notes are, they vary. Um, but yeah, I can't be, I, I'm not too bothered by that one. I think, <laughs> the the one that sticks out is just the the Toronto game. I I, I just feel like you gotta see. I want to see more from that, and 
nothing really made me excited. I mean, that was a that was a hard game to watch. Yeah. Yeah, two gate or two points out of six is not what I wanted out of this past week. I wanted four points. If the team hadn't been doing as badly as it's been doing, if we were in a better place in the standings, mm-hmm. having one stinker in a week wouldn't be making us as nearly as upset as it is. But considering how they've been playing this whole season, that's what's really makes the, the Toronto game really bothersome. Right, right. It, it, and we're actually going to talk a little bit about sort of long-term, at what point, I know we've talked about Thanksgiving, but sort of the season comes in these sort of big chunks. And, and we're, I, I want to kind of look ahead at the next chunk that is to come and figure out what what really do the Predators need to do in order to, to be in a good position. Um, we'll talk about that. I also want to talk a little bit about, you know, since we kind of, we touched on on Maz, you know, as as backup versus versus Soros, and I kind of want to touch a little bit on that as well. And then we'll look kind of look at the team overall and see where where the team stands and answer some Twitter questions. So I think we're gonna take a break really quick, and then uh, we're gonna get to all those things, and uh, we'll be right back. These days, you need a partner current and latest website design standards, one that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402, or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lionzone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. We are going to jump into a, uh, a big question that is always on our minds, um, and it has to do with the backup goaltender position. We kind of mentioned it earlier in the show uh, when we talked about Maz and his start in Toronto, but I guess I'm, I'm kind of at a loss here. And I, I mean, I've heard the arguments against and for putting Soros in the backup goaltender position at the pre- for the Predators. I just I don't see a real value there. I don't see the value in putting Soros in Milwaukee at this point. I mean, he, well, he has a he has a crazy record down there right now. I think he's eight and oh, is he eight and oh, or is he eight and one? He has a crazy record. He's got a, a really really good save percentage in AHL. He obviously is fine down there, other than just like him spending up Soros minutes down there in AHL. I don't see the point in him not being on this team right now. Talk me out of it. What, what am I missing here? Well, I do think that he does need the playing time. Not that he needs more playing time to get better, but he doesn't need to be sitting the whole time. For me, the correct solution would be maybe to just rotate him up every time Pekka needs to sit and send Maz back down, you know, 
in sort of a rotation. Right. That would be my perfect solution. Okay. I don't know how likely that would be to actually happen. And I think because I mean, at this point, we we do we know Maz at this point? Do we know Mazinich is is not is not really a, a an asset? I, I, you know, it, it's I mean, it's a goaltender. It's always tricky. Uh, but in any any whenever he's come on, he just has never looked good. And granted, it's a very small number of games, a very small number of minutes. But he's never looked really comfortable. Uh, he struggles to get to even an even save percentage. Not it's not just at the NHL level. He's not as consistent at the AHL level either. Uh, you know, Soros definitely. You know, I, I I still think coming out of training camp, Soros won the start. It's more that Soros won the starter position in Milwaukee than Maz won the the backup position in Nashville. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm very much I'm very much in favor of the. Yeah, Soros is the only reason he's in Milwaukee is because they want him to take over Farine. So they want him playing games as much as they can get him to play games. Build up the fitness, build up the experience. Right. Um, be available in case Rene gets injured. Uh, I, I still look at, and, and it's, hard, it's, it's really, really difficult to find free agent goaltenders in the middle of the season. Because most of them are either, if, if the, but they don't sit around. They either go over to Europe or they get signed somewhere or they just say, yeah, I'll take an analyst position. Mm-hmm. And they decide they're going to you know, move on to the next stage of their career. Uh, you got to get them during the summer. Um, yeah. And otherwise, you're going to be trying to trade for a backup goaltender, which is always a little bit weird. Because then what are you moving out? Draft picks, middling prospects they don't really care about. Right. Uh, but no. that seems to be kind of the... I don't want to get too off topic here, but it, people were there were rumblings about Andrew Hammond. Is he, he hasn't been picked up yet, has he? Because he was on waivers. He cleared today did he clear i believe he cleared today okay so he'll be in whatever their affiliate is i don't know what their affiliate yeah is. But i mean this is the, this is the natural predators we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier they don't yeah sign backups no. they don't pick up i mean they, they went out and they got carter hudden who didn't have good numbers at any level of his career but decided that he had a good enough understanding of goaltender psychology that he could keep pekka sane which maybe that's why they didn't re-sign him because Peck had a bad season like your therapy is not working anymore we're going to find a new therapist for our goaltender yeah and they let him go um further for the record i don't think even andrew hammond would be a very good idea i do think he'd be better than than mazanich but that's beside the point because my point is that i think sorrow should be the backup um and i think i think that there's a lot of a lot of people that agree with me i mean not that i i'm making any decisions here but i think a lot of people would agree with that yeah, call him up every other week. Let him get an NHL paycheck. That's what I would do. <laughs> um, so, all right, I I don't know. It's something that will continually come up, come up, and until until you know until they make a decision that all of us are happy with, we're going to continue to complain about it because it doesn't make a lot of sense that you're just going to throw away every sixth start of the of the year, giving up uh, five or six goals to the, your backup goaltender. Speaking of that, let's let's take a look at the team overall, and I'm going to try to get your your take on uh, where are the struggles right now. What what is what is the what is the biggest thing they're doing wrong? Uh, what are they what are they not doing? What do they need to fix? Right now, they're 17th in the league in even strength shooting, uh, Corsi. So they are they're basically about middle of the pack in terms of what is commonly referred to as puck possession, even though that's not really what it is. It's really just a shot percentage, shot shot attempt percentage metric. They're about middle of the pack. Normally, they're much higher than that. So they're normally a much better team than that. Um, they're 25th in even strength shooting. To me, that stands out. 
7.04%, which is better than they were. But 25th in the league in even strength shooting with the players on this team, got to have better shooting than that. Well, I mean, what, what league average shooting percentage tends to be around 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, this year it's a little higher. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where I'm going yeah. with that. So if you expect year over year to see about 8% shooting percentage um, being sort of the middle middle of the pack, and this year, seven being in the sevens puts you at the bottom. Right. Um, I'd actually have to look up the range of shooting percentage because it's just looking at the just, predators. Is I not. just looked it up. It was it's like f- plus fourteen. It's like fourteen and a half or something crazy. It's way high. It's, well, the, yeah, the high one is twelve. Well, I'm looking at five on five. Um, is about thirteen percent. And then, I mean, yeah, I mean, seven still gets you in the middle. Um, I mean, it, it could just be that. Everyone else has been scoring a ridiculous number of goals, and they're yeah. going to cool off, and everything's going to even out. Um, I mean, I still we talked about this a little bit last week. I don't think the Rangers are going to keep shooting at thirteen percent, fourteen percent the whole season. Uh, I also don't think like Columbus is going to be shooting at ten percent the entire season and putting up absurd mm-hmm. numbers of goals on teams. I mean, it's there's certainly been some oddities that have carried lot further into the season, and there are things that are very very difficult to replicate. Uh, so. I think the shooting percentage can throw you off a little bit. Uh, I, I certainly think the issue is that the Predators are not generating nearly as many uh, quality shots or, or scoring opportunities as they did last year. I mean, that was the big thing yeah. last season, which is lots of shots, exciting shots. Let's take shots in the rush and and really play to those things. And they're just they don't seem to be doing. It. They seem to be a little bit more on like we were saying earlier the the like some interesting passing plays and really showing off skill, uh, which they don't seem to be syncing up on and having some chemistry issues. I guess the question is, is our shooting percentage, like where we fall in the standings, does it have to do with, you know, some of the outliers like New York and Columbus shooting at, you know, stupid rates? Is it, that's, you know, just how, is it just puck luck and it'll get better? Or is there some underlying reason why our shooting percentage is lower, especially talking about things like how, how low we are compared to last year, as far as like Corsi and uh, possession metrics. Yeah. Is there something wrong structurally in the way that they're playing that's causing these bad numbers? That's a good point. It, I, I know that just <laughs> so that we don't just go ahead and, and chalk this season up to a, a, a big loss, I would hope that there's nothing structurally wrong because I don't think there's anything structurally going to change with this team over the course of the year. I mean, there's only so many line combinations, and they're not going to just move guys. Yeah, and I was actually that's I, I like to, after every week of games, look at the actual line combinations. And, I mean, for just these three games, of course, just these three games, the only real consistency you had, as far as a full line, was uh, Arvidsson, uh, Johansson, and Neal, who were yeah. together um, like 24%. So their frequency, they, they, that was like a, the 24% frequency. Um, the next closest full line was um, Forsberg, uh, Ribeiro, and Smith, and mm-hmm. that was at like 10%. Now, granted, if you just took That's Ribeiro and jump. Smith— yeah. Where Baron Smith combined, that was like eighteen percent frequency. Sure. So you know clearly that that there's a pairing and they're finding pieces. But you look at the rest of the list and it's all scattered everywhere. Yeah, there's really a is. lot going on. And and I've been talking about the issue. I think is there's some problems with chemistry. Uh, you have to just. I think you have to fight through to a degree. Take the players who play well together and just keep them together, even when they're struggling. Yeah. Um, because if they play well together, even if they're not scoring, it may. It's going to get better. 
because they know how to work together, they know how to read each other's plays. And then when you're trying to do the fancy weird passes that can ter- result in turnovers if you don't do them right, mm-hmm. at least the guys know where, the, where their, their alignments are going to be in the ice and they're not having to figure out a different play style where you wake up and all of a sudden, and, you know, a lot of you, let's say, you know, the ice and you look to your left and there's Cody Bass coming at you full steam. Yeah. You're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, a, a few more numbers here. The, the Predators are, are 15th in... Uh, this is at even strength again, and uh, scoring chance percentage. So, in other words, they the percent to which they generate scoring chances to giving them up. But the reason they're even that high is because they just don't allow that many. I mean, they are pretty good in terms of allowing. I mean, they're probably top ten teams in, in not allowing a whole lot of scoring chances, but they're just not generating a lot. So, another we've talked about. You know, stats can be misleading. They're not really even a middling team in terms of generating scoring chances. They're a bad team in terms of generating scoring chances and high-danger scoring chances. Well, I think it's partially because they're seeking out really particular shots. Uh, Instead of just throwing a bunch of stuff in there, we talked about uh, Smith and Arvidsson being guys who, like, they'll just throw the puck at the net whenever they get the opportunity uh, you know, whereas you, you know, Neil and Rivera are more like they're looking for those connections and, you know, Forsberg is, uh, he scores in his own Forsbergian right. way where, you know, he'll, he'll score one, then he'll score three and also he'll start scoring them in, in buckets. Um, but he does things in his own way. So it's really hard to, to know what's going to happen next. Um, so I think it's, they're playing a less direct game overall. And I think that's what's harming their ability to create uh, dangerous opportunities some nights. And, and Forsberg's not going to shoot 2% all year. That's just not going to happen. That's unlikely. Now, Yossi had a quote about, especially on the power play, what, what they've had less success is that they're sort of overthinking stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not shooting the puck like they should be shooting the puck. Right. I watched um, one of the early power plays with Subban and Ellis at the points, and they just passed the puck back and forth for 30 seconds yeah. and never got a shot off. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's, it com- it's a little bit of a, a psychological bear and a confidence issue. And I think that's one thing. If you want to call it something that the Predators are missing with the absence of Shea Weber, it's that eventually Shea Weber would just be like, you know what? This is stupid, and he'll just shoot the puck. Because <laughs> he's just like, this is, what are we doing? And he'll just fire it as hard as he can, and he'll miss the net, and he'll kill somebody, and a, there'll be like, yeah. you know, dents in the end boards. But it kind of broke people out of that. And yeah. now, you know, what, what Mario described to you guys is just, no one wants to take that opportunity. It's especially on the, it, it seems like, on the sideboards and below, I know we're talking specifically about the power play, but I mean just in general, whenever they have offensive possession, uh, there's a lot of just really indecisive play when it comes to Forsberg on below the line or, or below the circles, Yo- Johansson down there, James Neal sometimes, and definitely with guys like Fisher and Smith and uh, Ribeiro at times, even though he's playing okay. Uh, it seems there's a lot of indecision. Where where do you go next with the puck? Oh, I, I in the time it took me to think about that, I've now been checked off the puck, and they're going the other way. It, there's just too much thinking, and not enough action. Yeah, and and uh, there's certainly a f- always a few hockey players out there who are not great at thinking. Um, they've got like David Leguan syndrome. Um, it's just you know they they're looking at they're thinking about getting on that boat and yeah. doing some fishing, and they're like, oh no, I had to go and chase the puck. I have now. to play this Excuse game me. right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like Rivera's thinking about polishing his wallet chain collection, and yeah. That's a big Something thing. Something like that. It takes it. a long time, I would imagine. You know, indecision is a pretty good way to describe it, especially, when it, especially with Ribeiro. And he passes the puck to Cody Bass at the point, and suddenly the puck is going the other direction. Oh, my gosh, that play. That was embarrassing. 
That was just really embarrassing. I keep trying to black that out, so thanks for bringing it up, everybody. <laughs> uh, we, we mentioned power play, and uh, I'll also mention the penalty kill. You know, After a really hot start, they're still not terrible, but they're, they've cooled off quite considerably. They're eighth in the league in, in power play goals. They're ninth in goals four per 60, per 60 minutes on the power play, so they get 7.1 goals per on uh on per, per 60 minutes so which is kind of a better way to grade it anyways i mean there's a lot of ways to to, to look at the power play and it's really better to look at by minute rather than just by ch- by power play opportunities because that is such a vague term and can be really misleading uh on the penalty kill they're 11th in penalty kill goals allowed which is not bad that's not bad at all no i mean i, I if if the predators are able to keep being ranked eighth and eleventh, and yeah. you know, very maybe two spots, two three spots within that the entire season. I feel very comfortable with that. Yeah, because that feels like that. I mean, that'd be really nice actually. Because the guys at the top, you know, some of them are t- running hotter than you'd expect, and they're having a really good run on on um, power plays or something. But the penalty kill has a really big home road split. I'm not. I don't believe they've allowed a power play goal against at home the whole season. However, on the road, they're like ranked dead last. And that's so weird. That's just a, I mean, I guess it makes some sense, but it's just, you feel like that'll balance out, but that is very strange that that happens. Um, but I don't know. There, there's a lot, to, a lot of blame to go around. I, I should mention this because if we're talking about what's good and bad with the team, what's good with the team, they're, they're, uh, they're 11th in even strength save percentage at 926. And that's all Pecorine because the other. <laughs> The other uh, opportunities that they've had with other goalies, except for Soros that one time, has not been good. So for the most part, they are doing really well uh, in, in goal and defensively. They just can't get anything going offensively, at least not consistently. You know, And this week is a prime example of that. They lose, they score two goals against the Maple Leafs, one goal against the Blues, and then they go for five against the Senators. And it's just this sort of up and down craziness is just not... Yeah, no, but if you added it all together, you'd be like, oh, that's actually a decent number of goals to score in a week. Yeah. You know, maybe a little on the lower side if, you divide, if you're dividing up by three. But yeah, it's just, you know, we, we, we've covered, I mean, we've, we've gone over. It's just this yeah. extra complexity. And sometimes the, yeah. all the weird passes come off, and a lot of times they don't. Let's do some Twitter questions. You guys good with that? Yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, mean, you wonder, I, I, I can, like, I can be petulant. Like, no. Not no. answering their question. Not this week. I, I'm okay with that. You can ask whatever questions you want, but I'm only going to answer in my own way. <laughs> so the first one is going to come from, and I, I was curious about this too. I don't know if, there, if we have any uh, um, answers for this, really. So I don't know if we can really answer this question. But at RazorJoey underscore Joe asks, do you think that Laviolette was angry with Subban for the turnover? Um, when he was talking, this is in the St. Louis game uh, where he was, Lobby was just lit up and extremely angry. Um, and he gave him apparently an end of the game glare. I didn't see that. But uh, do you think it was more upside of Subban or was it Sissons or was it the whole play? What was, it, I mean, it was probably a lot, probably the whole play, but you know, I, I'll reference back to what I said earlier. Um, you know, th- if a coach does not know Subban does that, and we've talked about the style the Predators are trying to have very active defensemen. So Subban is doing exactly what would be expected in that situation and what would be expected of him. He's, he's supposed to do those things. I think the issue is he misread the situation. Um, and he tried to do that with a forward group who is not suitable for that. So I, I think that it was a um, – I think the action in isolation made perfect sense. I think within the situation uh, – that particular situation, it was 
clearly a mistake. He misread the play. It was a problem. And and I would understand the coach being angry about that. I don't know about like how much how angry he was. Uh but certainly he certainly looked angry. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I this is a guy who's like once actually punched his player in the skull when he got angry. Really? Oh, there's this great, there's this great um, image. Like he just, he was getting all like riled up and like swung his arm. Like he did, oh, uh, okay. like he did. Um, it, it, what? Oh my, sorry. My brain just blanked in the game. Um, so he just swung his arm. Yeah. And, he, and it was with the flags. I think he like punched Voracek in the head when he, in Philadelphia. He was just like, bam, right, right in the head. I, wow. I think it was Voracek. It was pretty funny. Not to take anything away from the Subban coach narrative, but I'm pretty sure that they asked him about after the game about that sequence where he was just cussing up a storm, and he said that the refs missed a cross-check against Bass ah. down low, which is why he was so angry. I mean, I definitely agree okay. with you know that sort of a Subban misread the play, okay. and that was that's definitely worth getting upset about, but mm. I don't believe that's actually what he was mad about in okay. that moment. Well, there we go. A light has been shed. You said there was no answer. Mario has. Mario had the answer the whole time. There that was. Go. That was. Yeah. That was. Some but I would rather just conjecture and and assume and just. Pr- Let's suppose- talk about locker room culture. <laughs> Let's have a conversation about locker room culture. I was like going on this whole thing in my mind. Like, what? If, what if at the second intermission he talked to him about not staying, not jumping up into the play as much, and then Subban did that, and then Mario comes in with this perfectly reasonable yeah, and logical no, fact. Uh, we can also discuss how the NHL seems to have a very creative. They, they, they inconsistently call cross checking penalties. And I don't think oh, I don't know if a guy like Bass the draws most, a cross-checking penalty the way a guy like Arvidsson would in terms yeah. of if you cross-check Arvidsson, it's like oh he's the Cody Bass. I mean, you just look at it and be like, what do you you, you must professionally punch people in the skull? It's the most inconsistently called penalty in hockey. Yeah, I'm not entirely. Like, I don't know often what a cross-check is because it happens so frequently. I mean, ten, by the book, it's just if you check a guy and you have two hands on your stick, which that's, happens that's like. The rule. It happens Day, constantly. Uh, all the time. I mean, yeah. every minute of hockey, there is some, something like that happening. Um, next question. Uh, uh, we've already talked about Mazinich, so that was kind of covered. We'll go to this one. Um, at LGVA Moss 3 uh, asks, there are penalties, and then there's just being selfish. Does LaViolette just not care when guys like Joey, Neil, Ribeiro take dumb penalty calls? That's happened. It maybe didn't happen as much this week. But it has happened all this year, and I think we've kind of we've mentioned it before. I mean, there there's certain types. Um, I mean, like Craig Smith, famous for his offensive zone penalties, <laughs> and he just he goes out and he finds those penalties, and uh, you know I'm sure there's some. I mean, I don't think there's like I say repercussions. Like they're not like sticking him in a box and, and putting yeah. it over a stove. Um, you know, I'm sure they get talked to about it because especially if it harms the team. I, I think the only ones that that worry me are the highly avoidable ones, the egregious ones, you know, like James Neal trying to slip an elbow on somebody, um, or certainly Fisher's 17 minutes he picked up, things that, you know, just a little bit, like, take a breath, and don't, and they don't happen. I mean, those are the things the coach has to come in and, and, and squash. Uh, so I think there's a lot of variation, because sometimes things happen. I mean, when, when you're on the forecheck, and the other guy steps on your stick when you're reaching for the puck, yeah, it's a tripping, it's going to be called a tripping penalty, and that sucks, but... And what are you supposed to do? Not fight for the puck? He's doing what right. he's supposed to do, just result in a penalty. I mean, that's that's sort of the nature of hockey. Yeah, that's a good point. I always say that a Craig Smith hat trick is two goals in an offensive zone stick infraction. There you go. So <laughs> when Neil 
you know, elbow somebody in the head or Johansson mouths off to a ref. Obviously, that's something worth getting upset about. I'm not a particularly big fan of how many minor penalties that P.K. Subban takes because he's tops in the league um, with yeah. this time on ice. But there's not a whole lot you can do. And, and nobody's been as egregious where they really deserve to be sat for it. Right, yeah. There's there's a lot. Penalties are going to happen. Um, you're not going to sit Brian Johansson or James Neal or even Mike Ribeiro. Well, maybe Mike Ribeiro. For taking, That's he needs taking a break. bad penalties. He's tired. Um, yeah, if, if Austin Watson boards somebody, sit into the room, that's fine. But you're right. not going to do that to James Neal. I mean, the, the most you would see is maybe maybe their shifts get get pinched down just a little bit in the, and late in the game. And if the game's close, that's not even going to happen. So um, let's go to this question. I like this question. From at win3317. Sorry, Maria, for this next question. Looking at the Central Division and the Premier League, if you had to make a comparison, which team would you compare – each team to its football counterpart. Oh, football each football being soccer. Each team. Mm, some of these are easy, and some of these I'd have to really think about. Okay. Uh, I mean, the easy one, and I've I've actually put this on Twitter a few times, um, and it sort of haunts me right now because I don't want it to be the case. <laughs> uh, but I I cannot help but compare the Predators to Tottenham Hotspur. Okay. Um, they're they're teams that are run on a budget historically. They have richer, more talented rivals always. Uh, they tend to lose to those rivals more often than not. Uh, they have a, a leading goal scorer who tends to get a slow start before really opening up in, in Harry Kane and Philip Forsberg, uh, who everyone's like, oh, he's, his movement's so good. He's so elite. You know, but he did, for some reason, doesn't score goals for the first month and a half. Just so doesn't capable of doing it. Then he just lights it up. Okay. Um, you know, they, sometimes for some reason, they just abandon their game plan sometimes and no one's quite sure why. <laughs> Uh, the, the deployment, like the defense's deployment and who's paired up together. Sometimes you just look at it and be like, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you putting this play? Yeah. There's just things that just keep cropping. I mean, the way they differentiate is, is I think the coaching is very, very different. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just keep seeing these parallels and I just don't want to be the, want it to be the case. Uh, I just don't want it to be the case, but that's my easy. That's like, I think that's the like easy. Like, you know, I watch a lot of the predators. I know Tottenham well, so it, okay. it comes across. Um, the rest, it gets a little trickier. So I, I think, um, like the Blackhawks, I've, for me, I think Manchester City. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're they're just sort of, they're a very rich team. They can Super bring in whoever they need to bring in. Um, they win a lot of championships. They have sort of these iconic talents. Uh, yeah, they're aging. Okay. They're still, I mean, they've got some, but, you know, they, yeah. they, they, they are aging in, in the hockey world where when you peaked at 27. Right. Um. And yeah, I think that fits well. And then the other one that's really easy is um, who gets assigned Leicester City. I think so. We know. That's based off of well, it's ba- it has to be based off of expectations versus performance, right? And I, I would say very early in the season, Colorado, Colorado Avalanche fans were really, really high in their team going into the season and during the season, like during the first few games. They're like, oh, you know, it's like I had like some Av fans uh, who who are friends of mine like sending messages like, ha ha, now who's who's in the shame spiral and all these things. And then what happens? Mm-hmm. Justice occurs, reality reasserts itself, and Colorado goes back to where they belong. Right. Much like what we've seen with Leicester City this season when they're not benefiting from ridiculous good fortune. That's a good – those are great um, points. I think uh, – so with with me, I, I would put um, the Minnesota Wild. I think are Arsenal. I mean, they've 
Arsenal have for years now been plagued by not having this sort of central central forward, having like a real central forward. I mean, Olivier Giroud is good, but he's not what they need. And I think Minnesota Wild are kind of in that same same vein. Uh, also, a, a pretty, usually a pretty good defensive team. Um, and then I was going to go with I, I think I think the Winnipeg Jets are like Southampton or maybe maybe. They're not. They're not a. They're like not a, like Everton. Something like an Everton. Yeah, may, maybe Everton. Yeah. Like the expectations are there for them to recover. But great players. Like people expect them to be their former glory, even though they're not really the same team. <laughs> That's a great point. There's yeah. a lot of subtext going on for this comparison. Yeah. Exactly. Anyways, you know, I, it's it's always fun to think about that kind what of about thing. St. Louis. Do we talk about St. Louis? Oh, St. Louis. Um, who's St. Louis? Chelsea. Yeah. Why not? I, mean, I don't I mean, at that point, hey, oh, they're both blue. Good enough. They're both, yeah, there you hate, go. Hate them both. <laughs> Great point. All right, thank you for those questions. We, uh, we had some others. Uh, we kind of already covered some of those, um, some of those topics. Um, before we head into the week ahead, I want to kind of look at the, really, the, the next chunk of games. And by chunk, I mean the next 19 games. So the Predators have played 17 games at this point. They're 7-7-3, seven, seven, and three, which is, they have 17 points. The next chunk of games is the rest of November and then all of December. So getting them through the rest of 2016, there are 19 games. 19 games. What kind of record do you want to see in this next chunk to really feel okay? Um, in my opinion, I think they really need something like 24 to 26 points in order to feel okay. So that would be going like 10, 6, and 3, maybe 11 and 7, or is that right? 11 and 8. Um, in some combination, get, getting 24 points out of the next 19 games, that would not, you know, that's not going to put them at the top of the central or anything. That's going to put them, you know, in a, in a playoff position. But I would feel okay at that point. I would feel like, okay, they've gotten through this first part. Let's hit January with a good stride. That's where I would feel good. So I, I want to, because I can't, I have to think about the context of these games. Um, and so I went through, and you said we have nine, there's 19? 19. 19. Uh, anyone off the top of their head know how many of those are against Central Division teams? You want to throw out a guess? Um, ten. I'll say twelve. Well, let's split the difference. It's eleven. <laughs> so, of the nineteen games, I'm counting eleven of these being against Central Division teams. So, that's really scary. Yeah. So, when you say twenty-four points, I mean they just don't need twenty-four points. They need twenty-four points against the right teams in a lot of cases yeah, because they, they are. They, these are the guys they're competing with. If you're picking up all these wins just against Eastern teams, great. It's padding. But you need to. But if you're losing all the games against Central, you're just losing footing, and you're hoping for a wild card spot. And that's not where you want to be. Okay. And you definitely want those to be regulation points and not overtime points. Yeah. So I think for me, I'd want them to go at least 500, say 10, 5, and 4 at the bare minimum. And it's, like I said, picking up those regulation wins because you don't want to be giving Winnipeg and the Blackhawks and Dallas like an extra gimme point. Okay. And and I think they actually spend most of – yeah, I think they're primarily uh, at home for these games. Yeah, there's a lot of home games coming up. So I think seven of them are on the – only seven of the games are on the road. Wow. So, I mean, I I think 500 would be very disappointing, at least given given Mm -hmm. our aspirations for this team and where we think they would be. 
uh, I think they certainly need to, to be well above. This needs to be a plentiful holiday season. Yeah, for... they, they need to be coming out of out of Christmas or, well, not just Christmas, out of December Yeah, um, on fire. Yeah. So it starts this week. Um, this week they have, and I'm actually going to look all the way to Sunday. Well, that's a week because today is Sunday. There we go. I know my days of the week. You know, Mama said there'd be days like this when she was talking to me about the days of the week. Just waiting for a reaction. No reaction and moving on. Um, tomorrow night, the Monday night, the Predators play the Lightning. That is a home game. That's a 7 o'clock. So they play the Lightning Wednesday. I'm sorry. <laughs> they play the Lightning tomorrow, Monday. Wednesday, they play the Stars for the first time this season. See Dallas. They play uh, Friday. They play the Jets for the first time. And then they I think play it's the, the second time they play the Stars. I'm pretty sure they played I'm sorry. them once. Yes, I, I'm, I'm wrong. They lost 2-1. to one. That's right. Home game. Second time they're playing the Stars this, this season. Uh, Friday, they do play the Jets for the first time, and then they also play the Jets the following Sunday. Um, so that's a home and away, which is a strange home and away in their weird times. It's like 5 o'clock on Friday and noon start on Sunday. So it's just, that's a weird time to play the Jets. It's the holiday weekend approach to playing sports. So there you go. Four games this week, three of them central opponents. So what do, we, what are the, what do you need here? So, uh, so my thought is the game against Tampa. This is a good opportunity for the Predators to figure out what the hell they're doing. Um, I don't care if the team if the team wins or loses against Tampa. Uh, a win would be preferable, but ultimately they just need to figure out what their plan is for the rest of the week because they need to to definitely I think cleanly win at least two of the games. Uh, I mean, these are teams that are, are somewhat vulnerable. These are not the cream of the crop central teams. These are the guys that the Predators are going to be scrapping with, and they need to go in there and, and try and try and take all six points, um, even if it means sacrificing some of the effort in, against Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just have to go all in. These are, it's, these are the teams they're going to be fighting for those spots with, and they need to start beating them now. Right. Yeah, I think they should beat Tampa. Tampa's extremely injured right now. They yeah. played a game yesterday the day before with nine forwards at one point so they really should did they really yes oh so they God. really should take and that one of them game. was ben bishop it was weird <laughs> they did, should take both games against uh, the winnipeg jets too as well the boston bruins held them to what nine or 12 shots on goal mm. the other day like they're i don't know what their issues are right now they should be better than they have been but if they continue their level of play, the Predators should be able to beat them. The Dallas Stars, apparently the way to beat them is to not play defense. Yeah. So we'll see how that works. <laughs> That's so, at least what we tried. All right, confirm. Mazinek starting yep. um, on Wednesday. He will start go. against Dallas. Yep, exactly. Uh, the Jets, to me, you know, I think they're a very dangerous team. I, th- I think that they are – I mean, I would love to just split those two games. So I'm counting that as a split. They win one, they lose one. Um Dallas and Tampa, you know, I think I think they I think they be, they win both of those games. I think they come away with six out of eight points this week. Uh, I think that I mean that would be an excellent week. I think. I just want all I want all six of those points to come from central teams. Right. I like to win all the games at home. So three. Yep. Yep. Three. Okay. Well, I thought we weren't going to be all that positive this week. I think we were supposed to be negative to balance out last week. Well, is it really positive when we're saying they have to win these points as opposed to we expect them to win these points? In a way. Well, I, I it's like when you're when you're when you're 
parents tell you, you know, you you really need to pass this test, and then you go pass the test, and in in the long run, it was worth it. That didn't happen to you. What? That's what my parents did. They would like what? I don't even know what you're describing. You here. must pass this test. You must pass this test. Like school. I I'm sorry. I my background is that my uh my parents, my mother specifically. Uh, made me write a contract prior to each school year with certain conditions built in that I then had to sign, and we had three copies, three signed copies, a centrally filed one, one I maintained, and then one for her own personal files. Okay. That's fantastic. And we were held to the terms of the contract, and there were there were benefits and rewards, and there were, there were other things built in, not like... like violent things but there were like yeah. repercussions built into it um which you know with the 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 you know rose tinted glasses of of hindsight you're like oh logical. when you're 13 and you're writing a contract for school that in- involves clauses about terminating your school like being thrown out of the school by your parents that's nerve-wracking i i can understand it, but i think that's fantastic i think that's a great way to, to uh, that's a great way to parent i think that's great. Hey, again, again, looking back, you're like, oh, okay, I see the, I see the benefits and the wisdom. At the time, it's very unnerving and very stressful, and it's very positive. I think that's the point we we're trying to make. Is that I think, I think, expecting good things and saying you are going to be held contractually obligated to these good things is a good thing. Make me nervous. I'm about to write a letter to uh, Coach Laviolette and the team and be like, you are now contractually obligated to get us eight points out of eight. And uh, I'm going to mail it to him. Yeah, I'll, if you're really interested, I can break down the token system my mom had. Um, you might find that to be very interesting, but we can do that another time. Yeah, that, well, we'll have to do another uh, another podcast about that. <laughs> this is this is, this is the parenting podcast where I recount <laughs> stories of my, what my mother did. The parent cast. And, and then Alex takes notes for his own family. <laughs> right, exactly. I need some ideas. So, um, all right, well... Um, there we go. We got another another episode, another week down. I'm I'm uh, I'm hopeful that ne- this time next week we have. Um, well, probably won't probably won't record next Sunday. I guess right. Oh, because the game. The game well, the game is a noon, noon start, game. so yeah, we, we may could, record afterward. We we'll might record some, afterwards. Some immediate post game reaction. That's, yeah, it happens. That can be fun. So until next time, you're uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. I am Alex. You can follow me at Alex Doherty One. He is Chris Link. You can follow him at 3D Link. She is Mari. You can follow her at underscore Maria underscore K. Thanks as always for listening. We really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next time.
yeah, I mean, and I hear that it's like, oh, lo- love, love the, um, you know, the front office propaganda stuff, but yeah. enough is enough. I mean, people have yeah. seen him play and, and certainly, I mean, that whole game was a bit of a, bit of a mess. Yeah, no, and saying that we're spoiled by Pekka just really isn't a good enough answer anymore for, you know, the quality of backup goaltender that we need to have. Ain't that the freaking truth? <laughs>